This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Equity Life! I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Equity. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we help you learn to invest in 45 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited for this episode. As always. Yes. Yeah, no, this is a big one. We're very excited to have our guest join us today. Without further ado, we should welcome David Kosh. Hello, guys. How are you? Very well. Thank you for your time this morning. Very excited to have you on the show to unpack all things personal finance, a bit about your upcoming venture with Ausbeers, and also what's just going on generally in the world of finance at the moment. It's pretty crazy times. There's a bit going on. Yes. <laughs> so for a, lot going on. a lot going on. For those that are unaware, we have Koshi on the show. He is an Australian television presenter, best known as host of the Seven Network Breakfast program, Sunrise. Previously from Adelaide, he began his career in media as a financial journalist, writing for a number of different publications before eventually moving into television. He's also the chairman of the Port Adelaide Football Club. And as two massive AFL fans, we're looking forward to asking a couple of questions around that. So, Koshi, great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I, uh, I should put it in perspective that Sunrise is sort of a hobby that's got out of control. They asked me to fill in for three months, almost 18 years ago. So it's, um, <laughs> but, but I am a finance nerd through and through. And that is my first love, my family business is all digital platforms for small business and personal finance. So like you, I'm a great finance nerd and I always sort of preface anyone who says, oh, you just do Sunrise again. Yeah, 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 that's my hobby. But my real love is all things investing and, and small business. Well, what a side hustle to have. Yeah, being, uh... <laughs> great hobby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> now, Koshi, we like to start these interviews with a little bit of a game just to get an idea of uh, yep. the expert we're speaking to, what their thoughts are on you know, current market trends, few indexes, stuff like that. The game is overrated or underrated where we throw something out and you tell us if it's overrated or underrated and why. So are you up for playing? Yep, absolutely. Fire away. Great. So we'll start broad. Overrated or underrated investing in the share market? Oh, gee, at this particular time, I think, oh, gee, that, that is a hard one. I would say overrated for 
a lot of people, if you don't know what's happening, if you're not expert in the market at the moment, because it is so volatile, it is so scary, that you have three decisions when investing in shares, buy, sell or sit on the sidelines. And in this period of time, it's probably best to sit on the sidelines. Having said that, I'll go, I'll sit on the fence and go, it's underrated if you look at investment history that says this is probably the right time to buy when everybody's panicking. It's the old Berkshire Hathaway model of when the world's panicking, you should be, you should be buying. So uh, my brother, who is a big investment analyst, he was explaining it to my nieces and nephews the other day and he said, look, Put it this way, if you've got $10 to invest, probably worth investing $3 now in the market in case it is the bottom and then hold on and see how it goes. Just to put this in context, we are recording on March 20th in the AM and we've just come off a pretty tumultuous couple of weeks if you have been living under a rock. Yep. <laughs> <Yep>. So, so <laughs> overrated, <laughs> overrated or underrated, David? A bit more specifically, the ASX 200. I would say it is uh, would have to be underrated at the moment. You look at, and again, people will be listening to this in a couple of weeks, and on, on March 20, when we recorded this, it was only five weeks after the Australian share market hit a record high. So uh, a lot can happen in a couple of weeks in this environment. Mm. But you would have to think that when you look at the stocks out there, when you look at how solid, they are when the economy starts to move back and and steady, that there's more upside in the ASX than there is downside at the moment. So, Koshi, one of the favourite strategies in our investing community is dollar cost averaging, where you average into certain stocks or indexes over a long period of time. So that strategy, dollar cost averaging, overrated or underrated? It is underrated because I reckon that is exactly what you should be doing with one proviso in these uncertain times. We're going into an economic recession. If you've got a steady job and a steady income and you can afford to invest any surpluses, now is the time to keep that dollar cost averaging going rather than suspend it. But if your income future and your job future is uncertain, you probably need to hoard as much money available cash as you can. It's an interesting point and one that I want to touch on a bit later. A couple more. Overrated or underrated, the Australian residential property market? Uh, You would have to say it's overrated at the moment because there is no way the Australian residential property market can insulate itself from what's going on in the economy and the other financial markets at Mm. the moment. Property is not only governed by interest rates, which are all-time lows at the moment, but also on on sentiment and liquidity, and I think it will start to slow. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So one popular asset class that has sort of come out of nowhere is cryptocurrency. Overrated or underrated God. Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> So overrated that <laughs> it is overrated to the stratosphere. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not just overrated. It is. It is plain dangerous. It is gamifying investing. And look, I go through. Yes, I'm old, but I've been through a few downturns and seen a few fads in in my investing lifetime. And you look at Warren Buffett's questions, and I think you've covered these on equity mode in the past, only invest in things you can understand, that you know who's behind them and you have the confidence and that there's a disciplined market to, to buy and trade. And Bitcoin fails on all of those. This is the time that a lot of the sort of Bitcoin nerds have been saying Bitcoin will excel. So very much interested to see how it performs over the sort of next 12 months or so. <laughs> hasn't hasn't performed yeah. that well so no, far. No, no. <laughs> to close this out, I'm a massive Essendon fan. Alec is a massive Swans fan. You're obviously a Port Adelaide fan. Uh, who's the most overrated oh, team no. of the three? <laughs> You're allowed to say Swans. It's fine. It's fine. It's definitely the Swans. Yeah, no. I'll have to uh, hold fire uh, on that. The most underrated is Port Adelaide. Oh, okay, <laughs> So, Koshi, we like to understand where people's investment journeys started and to hear the story mm-hmm. of their first investment. We always think that we, we generally find there's a good story there or some good lessons that come out of it. So, to kick off our interview today, can you tell us the story of your first investment? My first investment, uh, <laughs> I suppose, and I'm going to be a bit out of the ordinary here because it, they're not, I'm investing in myself to try and build a career in started out um, as as being a, a junior accountant um, and then moving into the business media after uh, Brian Frith, the editor of The Australian, offered me a job to move into media, which I had no sort of aspirations of doing because I thought it would be too difficult and, and beyond me and just investing in yourself to try and build your brand in your career. I reckon the biggest and best investment for every single person is their career because that drives whether you can make surplus cash to invest elsewhere and build a wealth base. So it's a bit unusual. No, look, I, I completely agree there, Koshi. It's certainly not as unusual as Roger Montgomery, who came on recently and said his first investment was trading goat meat at university. <laughs> <Yes>. So, <laughs> <laughs> But I think that reflects his character even when he was younger and even now. (laughs) (laughs) So, Koshi, you've had a pretty interesting career in in financial journalism before, I guess, moving into your side hustle as the presenter of Sunrise. (laughs) I was reading that you produced Britain's first rich list, started in Money Magazine. What was the sort of story behind that? Can you remember the first person who hit number one? Was there any sort of interesting stories behind that? It was the Queen in Britain at the time. Branson wasn't too far behind. He just started building his empire. We, for older viewers, a bit of trivia, Richard Branson made his first million 
by producing Mike Oldfield's album, Tubular Bells, because he had a small studio and this bloke came in with an idea of this unusual-sounding album and he said, OK, I'll give you the recording space for free between midnight and 4am and uh, I'll take 20% of it. So it's a great story how how wealth can come from from different areas. But I created Personal Investment Magazine in Australia, which was, this was before personal finance pages in newspapers or magazines, or you see it all over the place now. So it was the first magazine for retail private investors. And it was in the late 80s, early 90s, and then I... um, went and bought a money magazine in the UK for Fairfax, who owned Personal Investment Magazine, and started one in New Zealand. So it was sort of part of that stable of investment magazines I started for Fairfax, and that's how it all came about, living in London. Yeah. So, Kasha, you would be an expert in financial media. You know, Bryce and I are just starting out on the, the financial media journey. When you look at the Australian financial media landscape and you compare it to some of the bigger markets like the UK and Britain, what do you think's missing or what do you think isn't done well in Australia? Look, I think we're, we're pretty well served for financial media, I have to say. But the thing we're missing is a business channel. (laughs) After after your money and Sky Business was closed down last year. But I think it would be great if somebody started a streaming service like the Netflix of business and investment and at its core was eight or nine hours of live coverage (laughs) of Australian financial markets and, and businesses. And guess what? It's happened. (laughs) All our prayers have been answered. Well, let's jump to that part of the conversation then, Koshi. Can you explain what Ausbiz is and sort of what need it is serving and and solving and perhaps when it's going to be launching and, yeah, what we can expect from it? Yep, it it launched on Monday. It is basically, as I said, a streaming service that is just like the business channel uh, Sky Business and Your Money Channel of last year, but basically uh, as a streaming service. At the moment, Australian investors and Australian financial markets, the only sort of video or TV business channels they get are from Bloomberg and CNBC, which are both based in Hong Kong and Singapore, respectively. So, And they sort of pay lip service to the Australian market. So this is a streaming service, absolutely free. You can watch it on any device, anywhere, anytime has its own app, Ausbiz, A-U-S-B-I-Z. We just pinched the Twitter handle that <laughs> everyone's been using called the channel after. Uh, good marketing. Very clever. Um, and it's also streamed on all IRIS terminals for professional traders, but also on Plus7 and 7news.com.au. And it's live coverage. Phase two will be that you'll be able to transact through it as well. But one of the big differences in the coverage is, yes, we'll cover the news of the top 200 companies, but it will have a particular focus on small and mid-cap stocks and also the start-up and scale-up community. Uh, My family business owns Startup Daily, which is the daily email Bible and platform for that startup community. So we'll be covering a a lot of the founders on that. We've got a a Shark Tank-type show, which is called The Raise, where all these startup founders who are raising money will pitch their idea to a panel, and if people are interested who are watching can, can actually go and invest in it. So we're pretty excited and think it, it feels a really big need out there. 
So, Koshi, are you going to be a shark on the on the <laughs> Shark Tank? <laughs> That's the, one of the original sharks, or the most famous shark. He's going to chair the panel every night. So, uh, oh, nice. Wow. He will be joined jo- joined on the panel by at different times me, people like Jodie Foster, hopefully Melanie Clip from Canberra are going to be on it. That sort of thing. So, I love that space. I've invested in startups in the past. Ausbiz was a startup we raised money for, so that was an experience for me. First mm-hmm. time I'd raised money as a starter rather than invest in it. Very different exercise. Mm. But I, it just doesn't get enough coverage in this country of all the just fantastic young entrepreneurs and founders who are doing unbelievable things. Well, I think we know a finance podcast that's looking for a bit of funding that would be a fascinating story to follow if you, <laughs> if, if you wanted to invest. <laughs> well, you know, Ausbiz is a platform that will take video podcasts and we should talk. We should. We should. Let's, we should. <laughs> Let's take this offline. I, I just want to make a comment on. on yeah. <laughs> I just want to make a comment on the Ausbiz's approach towards small and mid cap, and I think it's particularly important for our audience because finding information on those companies is particularly difficult. Yet they provide a really good opportunity for some significant growth potential, especially if you can incorporate it into a portfolio as a beginner or a junior investor. So great that that is going to be a focus for Ausbiz to really bring that part of the market to the retail investor. Yeah, and and it's where the great stories are, I reckon. Get in on the ground. All the big institutions had, had to start a small beginning, so you're quite right if you can get in on the ground floor. There's big upside. Now, Koshi, you mentioned that we had previous versions of an Australian business channel. People are probably quite familiar with your money. What's Ausbiz going to be doing that's different from that? And what can people expect to sort of continue from the previous iterations of the business channels? Okay, because it's a streaming service, you subscribe to it. Now, subscription is is free to become part of it. But through the app, you'll be able to put in your preferences, could be stocks that you're following, it could be market segments, it could be Bitcoin, it could be individuals. And then you'll be notified when any of those companies, topics or individuals are coming up on the stream and be sent a copy of the the transcript and the video after it's been completed. So it becomes very interactive and becomes a a real resource hub for everyone. So when you watch TV, you just watch TV. That, that's all you can do. With this, with Ausbiz and a streaming service, you can you can almost tailor your information stream to suit your portfolio and your interests going forward and, and your watch list. And I think that's a really important consideration. A lot of the anchors from Your Money come across to Ausbiz, the, the Your Money chief executive. In fact, uh, Kylie Merritt, who's, who's the founder of it, I gave her a first job years and years ago, so she's like part of my family. She, she one. <laughs> and when they ditched her, she came and said, how about we start a streaming service? And I said, sounds good to me. So um, <laughs> we're very excited about it. Yeah, well, so it's now up and running. I guess we just encourage our, our audience to go and check it out, download the app. It sounds like it's it's going to be a great resource and, and much needed in, in the Australian sort of financial community. So let's move to the broader market now, Koshi. I think we started, you know, there's a lot going on. 
great time to start a business channel, I guess. Is gonna yeah, be a, a, lot of, a lot of interesting city. business content at the moment. <laughs> so given the circumstances and, and what's going on, there's obviously a lot of anxiety and nervousness amongst our community. Some, you know, some people might have in, invested for the very first time only a matter of months ago or even five weeks ago when yeah, we hit a record brutal. high yeah. and, and might be feeling a bit disheartened about the whole situation. How do you see sort of what's going on at the moment and, and maybe how could you approach it if you were that person who invested yep. five weeks ago? Okay. It is a scary time, not just with the markets, but in everyone's job as well. And look, we have been through a golden period in Australia's economic history. Uh, I keep saying it's the most hated period of prosperity that we've ever gone to, through because everyone whinges so much. But it has been extraordinary. 29 consecutive years of positive economic growth, mm. a world record. No, no Australian under the age of 47 has experienced an economic recession as a responsible adult. Now, that's extraordinary. Mm. You're going to be experiencing it now. And it is scary. And people will be thinking, just how safe is my job going forward? A lot of people now would have been retrenched or stood down for the first time in their lives. And that that can be debilitating for a lot of people. It affects your whole being, your whole body as you start thinking the, the worst-case scenarios on how to post financially. And this could last through until, through all of winter. It's going to be a long, ugly winter. So a couple of things to keep in mind. Economic history tells us and investment history, everything runs in a cycle. Every bus in, um, ends in a recovery. Every boom ends in a bus. It's just understanding the timing and making sure you have a plan to cope. Not wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and think all these horrible thoughts. If you write a plan down on how you're going to progress forward, um, makes it a lot clearer and a lot more comforting. So economic and investment history also tells us that these periods of downturn often are great, as we mentioned before, great opportunities to buy in and start to build a floor in building wealth that could last a lifetime. It could be a significant period, but it means managing your money carefully and making sure that you have a consistent income stream coming through. It is sort of, and I don't want to overstate any of this because I'm a supreme optimist. It's probably one of my weaknesses. But you do need to have a handle on your income. And if you think it's going to be under pressure for job insecurity in the future, start looking now about how to earn extra income, side hustles, extra skills you may need to develop to make yourself invaluable in your workplace or move to a sector that's, that's more opportune. But downturns are usually short and sharp and scary but we always come out of them. So make sure you're in good shape financially, emotionally and physically going through this because it will need all three. So going into a period like this, you said, you know, if, if you're under 47, we would have never experienced something like this before. So the whole concept of money management is going to become completely different. And there's probably some pr practices that we should be doing or thinking about going forward that we've never really had to think about. Hmm. What are some of the main, I guess, probably the main don'ts going into a recession when it comes to managing your money? Okay, don't think you'll have a consistent income stream coming forward. All our financial well-being is based on our income. Now, I know all the budget 
sort of books and apps go, look at your costs, cut your costs, look at your costs. Yeah, 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 you should do that. That's just natural to do it. What a lot don't focus on is your income. And that is just as important because there is a baseline that you can cut to and you can't cut any more. And you don't want to live your live your life like a monk, you know, life's for living. So it's how you generate income elsewhere and thinking outside the square to do it in terms of your main career, in terms of your side hustles, in terms of raising cash by selling things you don't use. Sort of all these bunker, if you like, bunker-type strategies we haven't had to use for 29 consecutive years because things have been going nicely. Uh, job market's been strong. Jobs growth has been strong. I, I loved it the other day when the February unemployment figures came out and they'd gone down to 5.1%. God, three weeks later, you're thinking, who gives a, a toss about February yeah, figures? Because yeah. they've changed so much in a couple of weeks that they're not reflecting reality at the moment. So it is focus on that income, have a plan. It might be, I know it might sound a bit harsh, it might be uh, boomeranging back to, to the parents' house to, to live for a while, but, but being very cautious with your money because, and, and a good, good test to give yourself is, if I'm out of a job for six months, could I survive? How could I survive if I'm out of a job for six months? And that will really focus on your spending and trying to get alternative sources of income to cushion you. Do I have an emergency fund? You know, everyone says, you know, put away three or four months worth of salary into an emergency fund. Do I have that as as a backup? If I don't, how do I offset that? Now, Koshi, you actually wrote a book with a lot of these tips and tricks in it, Koshi's 11-step money plan for a better life. And I'm sure a lot of people right now, to your point, are thinking about their finances, are thinking about their job security and are thinking about what to do if they do lose their job. So given people are thinking about it, given people are focused on their money, what are some of the biggest money issues you saw when you were writing that book that can be quite easily fixed and how should people go about fixing them? Okay, it is the simple things, know where your money is coming from, knowing where it's going to, and where it's going to, are you getting bang for your buck? Everybody should be a 24-7 negotiator. Negotiate everything. No matter what, what you buy, give it a go. I, my brother is, is great at this. My wife is the world's best at it. I'm terrible at it because I... I'd get a bit embarrassed. She she would negotiate anything. Is that your good price? You know, how about a discount? Uh, I'm a good customer. All that sort of stuff. And I, I often go, we just back off. Uh, <laughs> but, it's just, but but it's amazing how she, you know, the deals that she does. My brother, every time he goes away with his wife, tells them. They're going, staying at a hotel because it's their anniversary, whether it is or not. He said, you always get a free bottle of wine and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Every restaurant That's you go like to, that. oh, oh, it's my wife's birthday. They always bring out a glass of champagne or a birthday <laughs> cake or whatever. So, you know, I'm, I'm sort of not wired like that, but these two are putting me to shame. And I think, well, that's just what we've got to do. We've got to make sure our money stretches as much as we posit that we can get the best value for our money. And particularly in relationships, 
you know, it's really taboo to talk about money and relationships. But if you are in a relationship, to make sure you're on the same page, to talk about your money for 15 minutes once a month, okay, half the length of home and away, to actually <laughs> not talk about the bill, not, not to talk about the bills you're paying, or to go, why did you spend your money on this, or why did you do that? It is just to talk about, hey, what's our goal? What are we doing all this for, this money management? Do we have this trip or a house or a wedding or whatever? And just an update on how you're going. No one sits down together as a couple and talks about their money just in a civilised way. Get a, Libra and I get a plate of cheese and crackers and, and a, a good bottle of Pinot and usually the 15 minutes goes into half an hour. But at least you're on the same page. At least you trust each other. If you've got a partner that doesn't allow you to get involved in any of the financial matters, you've got to ask them why not. If they say, don't you trust me, then you've got to look out for your relationship because that's a terrible thing to say. Everybody has to have complete transparency on what their money is doing because STDs, sexually transmitted debt, um, is really <laughs> common in, in relationships. You know, partner spends on, on the joint credit card, you're left holding the bag. It's so important. Mm-hmm. In your book, you've got the, the phrase, earn more, cut expenses and invest wisely. What does invest yep. wisely mean to you and then, I guess, more broadly? Okay, I always say you save to invest. So you earn more to save more to invest more. Saving is just an interim step. And particularly in this day and age, sticking money in a savings account, bloody hell. I've never seen anything so miserly to get your 1% to 3%, but it's a great spot to actually build up a critical mass of money, if you like, an amount that then you can invest in your ETFs or managed funds or into the market or into syndicates, whatever you whatever you decide to do. But people have got to get out of savings mode. Yes, savings is a good first step, but it's not the last step. You've got to save to invest, and that's the next one. And that's that's building knowledge. It's listening to podcasts like this. It's buying books, watching those videos. It's constantly taking an interest in your money, to be excited about it, to be inquisitive about how people think going forward. You know, what makes Warren Buffett? so rich? What makes Branson such a, an entrepreneur? What's made Mel and Cliff who founded Canva the entrepreneurs that they are? It's really being inquisitive and taking a lot of advice from people. I love that attitude, Koshi, the being a constant learner, being interested in the world. I think for Bryce and I, we found that's what investing has allowed us to do. Just be genuinely curious in things outside of finance specifically, just about companies and about entrepreneurs and about countries outside Australia. And I think that's how we've managed to keep doing this podcast for four years. Well, it is. And you you can pick up so much knowledge and so much is available. If you're interested in Warren Buffett, yes, he's an old codger, but he's been pretty successful here in Charlie Munger from Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, Snowball was a great biography on him. Um, I loved Shoe Dog from Phil Knight's book, the founder of uh, Nike. You know, I'm a small small business person, constantly have cash flow problems. I'm reading that book. It made my heart sing 
that that whole book is about his cash flow problems, yeah. his entire career yeah. building that company. And you go, oh, God, if he had cash flow problems, I mustn't be so bad. Um, <laughs> so there, there are lots of great books out there to, to learn from people. And it's, and, and they're, they're sort of TED Talks or, uh, or podcasts are really good to, to tune into as well. Now, Koshi, one last question about investing wisely. It's a it's a common question that we get in our equity mates community. A lot of our listeners, and Bryce and I, we're both still in our 20s. We've got a long investing runway ahead of us. And there's a question that often gets asked around leverage and around uh, yeah. leveraged ETFs or around borrowing to invest more while people are young because that that's, you know, the idea is that then compounding can really take hold. Where's your head at around using leverage in your investing? Coming off the last couple of weeks. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Ouch. Well, probably a, a sobering lesson into understanding the downside of leverage as well as because of the previous five years, you saw the upside of leveraging. And I think, you know, there's the old good and bad debt. Good debt is borrowing to invest in appreciating assets. Now, while they continue to appreciate, that's great. When they have a bit of a a short-term crash, like we've had at the moment, and then you start to get margin calls, that can put you under pressure unless you've taken the the steps to limit that, sort of putting stop losses on on your portfolio or the stocks that you're leveraged into, or making sure that you have cash reserves to meet any margin calls going forward. And I think if you put in a safety net, then it's absolutely acceptable to do it. But don't get over your head. Mm. It's Don't go to excess in doing it. Yes, it looks great on paper and you think, oh, gee, those returns are fantastic. I might double down or triple down on this. That can bring uh, people undone going forward. So it's having that proper investment strategy in terms of the stocks you're in and the stop losses that you put in and the other safety nets, as well as having the income stream to meet any margin calls if necessary. Yeah, great advice. Before we move to our final three questions that we always ask our guests, we really want to take the opportunity to ask some questions regarding the AFL because you're probably going to be the one and only chairman that we'll ever speak to. (laughs) Um, And as we said at the start, we're both massive fans and both watched a pretty historic game last night with what would normally be almost 100,000 person crowd no one in the crowd and quite a weird experience to be watching on tv without that sort of atmosphere so you are the chairman of the port adelaide football club and we know that there's been a lot going on around the coronavirus and and the afl and the decision to continue playing how much of an impact is this going to have on the afl we obviously know it's large but what's happening behind closed doors i wouldn't say it's large it's perilous it's bigger than large it is the it is the biggest threat to our code, I think, that it's ever been through. And my club's 150 years old, mm. and it's gone through wars and depressions and the whole lot. This is extraordinary. And to play no games in a season is unthinkable for most clubs, but both your clubs, my club, all AFL clubs, the hit it would take and as you've seen by this time this goes to air, that there has been massive layoffs in the AFL and every club 
because the industry is on the brink. Mm. When you, you you look at your, you're getting no game day attendance, you're getting no hospitality, mm. which are major revenue streams coming through. You've had the players and the coaches taking pay cuts, which has been really appreciated. The members of every AFL club have been extraordinary through this. Mm. Um, I know our, our members and yours as well, your clubs, so many of them say, I don't care if you don't play a whole season. Um, this membership is to make sure this club keeps going for another 150 years. Mm. I cannot underplay the impact. Yeah. And it's it's pretty sad for, for a lot of staff of all of the clubs. Yeah. But, you know, we've got great traditions that we, we have to protect. It's um yeah I mean it's sorry a fasc- to be a downer no 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 it's a, it's a fascinating it's, time no 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 <laughs> when, when people go oh well why is it so why are they playing the season at all and um, if we didn't play the season at all there is the very real possibility that our game in its current form will not survive wow yeah wow. and that is not what we want Simple at all <laughs> no exactly yeah, exactly yeah exactly. Presidents and boards of AFL clubs are all volunteers because they're not for profit. So mm. we're working our backsides off to try and make this viable. But we will get through. This game has gone through lots of challenges in the past. We will get through this. There's a lot of pain. Mm. So, Koshi, one more question on the AFL. If we take a broader look away from the immediate issues with the coronavirus, you've been the yep. chairman of the Port Adelaide Footy Club since 2013. Yep. I'm sure you've seen a lot of changes in that time. Port Adelaide's obviously looking at China as an opportunity at the moment. So I guess if we take a broader view, where's your head at around where the AFL's at and where Port Adelaide are and, you know, the sort of the future of the, the AFL? If you look at professional sport in the organisation, when I took on Port Adelaide, we just lost $7 million. So the AFL said, it's a club in deep trouble, will you come and And my dad used to play for them. I've always been a Port Adelaide bloke. So it's really a family passion of ours. And it was really, how do you build a financially sustainable model for a small club in a small state? And the key of successful financially or um, successful sports organisations is trying to build revenue streams that are not tied to on-field performance. And and when you think about it, sort of your date attendance, your merchandise, your commercial, hospitality are all tied to how well you're doing in the comp. Mm. So how do you de-risk it? Try and de-risk it by bringing other revenue streams. Now, a lot of clubs buy pubs and pokies. We've got a few, but we're trying to get out of them because we don't think it's socially acceptable, community-wise. So we're building a bridge with Australia's biggest trading partner, and uh, and that's the reason for it. We've it's been a really good rev. Thirteen percent of our revenue comes out of China now as a club wow. after four years. So it's a way of de-risking and making sure our football department is fully funded year in year out. And uh, and that's the, the whole rationale behind it. It's different. A lot of the old fogies in the AFL go, oh, AFL will never be big in China. Well, duh, we're not stupid. Um, <laughs> this, is, this, is, <laughs> this is a big trade and commercial play opportunity of, of bringing Australian and Chinese business together, saying Chinese businesses with business interests in Australia, you don't trust Australians, they don't trust you because of the... The cultural divide, if you want to build a bridge through football, Port Adelaide is China's club. And uh, likewise, we say to Australian businesses, China is a massive opportunity for you. 
it's a bit scary. Understand that. It's big. It's sort of something that you're not used to. Come with us. We'll introduce you to networks and show you how to do business in China. Mm. And even small in China is big just in general. Absolutely. Numbers are freaking huge. It blows your your way. Mm. Do you think we'll ever see a club outside of Australia? Not in the near future, I don't think. Um, you never know. You never know. Look, I think, for example, my dream is to sort of uh, almost like a rugby sevens do AFLX tournaments throughout China. Um, and um, our our current game as it is, I don't think you'll have a China-based game because <laughs> when you go overseas, you realise you've really got to grow up with this game. Mm. You know, to sit through three, three hours... <laughs> just doesn't sit with so many people. You've got to be brought up in it, but but the shorter version is a really good introduction in it. We have we have it being played in a hundred high schools in Shanghai and uh, and they love it. And the fact that there are no oval ovals in, in China, only rectangular ones um, sort of li- limits the game a bit, but the AFL X version is pretty good. I think there's room for a spin-off AFL podcast with you, Koshi, <laughs> but we should probably <laughs> get back into the finance stuff. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. As I said, we have three questions that we always wrap up with across all of our yep. guests. So the first one is, do you have any must-read books, investing or otherwise? The two that I mentioned, uh, Snowball and, and Dog. Yeah, I, nice. I reckon the two of my all-time favorite ones. Nice one. Uh, the second question is, what's your go-to source for investing information? My go-to source for investing information, of course, is Ausbiz. The, uh, <laughs> Good answer, nice. yes. It's <laughs> available now because you will get all the experts in the one place. Nice. And finally, thinking back to, you know, when you just started out in your investing journey and, and back to your, your early years in financial journalism, what advice would you give to your younger self? The advice I'd give to my younger self is to be more confident in your decision-making. Yes, to take advice and as much advice as possible, but also uh, also back yourself with your own decisions and then work like crazy to, um, to get it done. And if I was my younger self in this era, I'd be looking at some of the startups around to, uh, I love this startup space and to help and invest in to be a seed investor in some of these great new ideas offers a fantastic opportunity for the young investors because they relate to all of these companies and, and a lot of them are targeted towards them. Nice, nice. Well, some great advice there. And as young entrepreneurs ourselves, backing yourself in is incredibly important. So uh, that certainly resonates with us. Koshi, we'll leave it there. It's been a pleasure. As I mentioned, great to have you join us. Appreciate your time. If our audience do want to go and check out Ausbiz, I guess, one more time, where can they do so? You can download the app on any of the app stores. You can also catch it through 7 Plus, the catch-up service on 7. It will be, be being there live. Twitter does the opening and closing half hour live on, on Twitter every day and also 7news.com.au stream it live as well. 
Well, all the best with the challenges that will be faced, I guess, through Port Adelaide and, and the AFL this year. And we're backing you and all the other chairmans in to get us through for fans. It's a, it's a challenging time, but um, a challenging time in the, in the markets as well. But again, thank you for your time today, Koshi. It's been great. Guys, really appreciate it and love the chat. Thanks, Kashi. Thanks for listening to Equity Mates Investing Podcast, a production of Equity Mates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Equity Mates Investing Podcast is general advice only. The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances, or goals. The host of Equity Mates Investing Podcast may maintain positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.